welcome to the Electric Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated entirely to sports and only sports. On today's episode, we talk U.S. soccer, and here is your host, Ty Crystal. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you are as happy as I am. We're here to talk about the USMNT's successful Gold Cup run from start to finish, concede one goal all tournament, 1-0 our way through the whole thing. Make all the jokes you want. But back-to-back Kings of CONCACAF over the rival Mexico. And I will say, I've never been so happy to be wrong about a prediction in my life. Because if you guys listened to the last show, I predicted that we would lose this game probably 2-0 or 2-1. And uh, I was wrong. Mexico couldn't finish their chances. We became the more dangerous team as the game went on. And you know what? Uh, I think the win was deserved, so you can say what you want about us, you know, not playing well throughout the game, or, you know, Mexico probably should have deserved to win it with how they played, but uh, when it comes down to a final and having a trophy on the line, if you step up and you have the decisive moment, then who cares about how you played the rest of the game, right? Because it's all about that final scoreline. So, uh, I, with that said, though, I mean, I think the U.S. did play pretty good for the most part. There were definite things that were... Uh, scary, like I said, Mexico's lack of a consistent number nine probably really helped the U.S. So, you know, if if Raul Jimenez is in this game uh, for Mexico, I don't think that, that we walk away with the victory here. But with that being said, we also didn't have our best players on the field either, and, and they still got it done. So, you know, I'm extremely happy for this group, and I'm extremely proud of this group in so many ways because... They worked really hard to get to this point. Uh, yes, it was ugly at times, and yes, they had to kind of old school their way through this tournament. I like. I really felt like this was like watching an old school U.S. team that was very gritty and hard nosed and uh, not very technically savvy and isn't very tactical in their approach to the game. But they can hit you on a counter, they can sneak a goal on you, and they can play really tough defense, but they're going to outwork you the whole entire game. So I think we saw that against Mexico. The U.S. just continued to work and work and didn't give up, and it was fantastic. Uh, I, I couldn't be happier for this group. You know, My expectations were well exceeded. I was just hoping for a semifinals appearance. Like I didn't even, I didn't even expect us to get into the final, regardless of of win it. So yeah, my expectations were far exceeded than uh, what I set out to to expect from these guys at the start of the tournament. And I couldn't be happier. This group deserves everything that uh, that they get as far as success. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that probably made good cases too to be involved in another month on the World Cup qualifying rosters. And if the rosters are going to be expanded out to 30-ish players, like I think some of us uh, are thinking, or that's at least what I've heard, then I think there's a strong possibility that we do see a couple of these guys back on the roster. And uh, I think it's very, very good for them. I mean, they showed up and they played really well. So, you know, you guys probably watched the game. It was fantastic. Uh, I I really, I loved all of it. I Even when we were in danger and we had to make last-second chances to uh, clear balls or you know get in the way of a shot or Matt Turner making some crazy saves I just had that feeling as soon as the game got going I was like you know what I think we can do this walking into the game like before the game I was 
I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm pretty nervous. But when the game started and I just kind of saw us play for the first couple minutes, I had this real feel of we could win this. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just got a good feeling. Frankly, I'm surprised at how uh, we did win the game because, you know, it's very typical of how we approach this entire tournament and a win's a win at the end of the day. So, you know, let's talk about the... Let's talk about the game. Um, let's talk about a couple things that we noticed from players. And, well, later on the show, I want to do, like, the second half of the show, I want to do, like, a, a whole roster breakdown for these all these players involved in the Gold Cup and kind of talk about what happened to their stock over the course of this game, uh, over this tournament, sorry. And, and we'll just kind of see, like, where... We'll just kind of see how this tournament affected some people's stock whether it's up down or, or it was the same you know not affected after the tournament so we're not going to talk a ton about the game necessarily because it's fantastic we won you know but I, I'm more focused on at least personally I want to be a little more focused on looking ahead and looking towards World Cup qualifiers not discounting anything these guys just did but it was it was an amazing night and uh, there's lots of shows out there that you can listen to to get, you know, kind of a, a game by game recap or moment by moment recap in the game and, and, and relive it that way. So, you know, I've kind of been thinking about how to do this show a little differently, maybe try and, you know, carve out a different type of feel for the show. And I think maybe being a little more player focused and talking about individual players and how it relates to the team as a whole might be a good thing for the show. So yeah. Uh, but look, from the from the very beginning, we were uh, very much trying to hit Mexico on the counter. We were trying to lob balls over their heads. We uh, we really struggled to hold on to the ball and build out of the back. Like when we did it, we were successful because Mexico, that team, you could play through them if you just were patient and caring on the ball and took the time to build out. Like you could do it. But we were very much like, okay, we don't want to, have the ball in our half for very long or build out in possession and you know have sustained amounts of possession. We just want to hoof it up the field. And from the beginning that was very apparent. So, you know, that indicated to me that we were going to try and bunker, try and defend as much as possible, and then get out on a break and hit them on a counter. And you know, that's exactly what I said we'd have to do. Um it was kind of frustrating to watch at times, but then other times you could see, you know, when it did come together there were chances created uh, when we, you know, had our opportunities to press Mexico when they had the ball. Uh, we did okay at it. I mean, it got better as the game went on, and Mexico got more tired. But for whatever reason, you know, we just we were not really wanting to hold the ball. We were content to let Mexico have the ball, and we were going to hit them on the counter. So that was expected. Uh, but it wasn't any easier to watch, knew, even though we knew it was coming. So. You know, there's kind of a, a debate, I think, of what Berhalter's plan kind of is. Because, you now I used to think, like, okay, he's very possession-based. He's going to have a very possession-based style. He's going to want to hold on to the ball. Like, he's going to want to control the midfield. And he's going to want to win those battles. But in this tournament, and even a little bit in the Nations League tournament, it was a lot of defending and countering, defending and countering. Even against Honduras at times, we didn't really look fabulous in possession. Now, you know, against teams like Martinique, a little bit against Haiti, 
certain at certain moments in the game, Jamaica, we were good at holding onto the ball and trying to create something. But the biggest problem was is the second part of that, right? Like the creation part was lacking in this team. We just didn't have the midfield to really get that job done. Um, so you could see early on that Perhalter probably had the right approach to this group of players and, and this game specifically, right? Like he knew he didn't really have the he didn't really have the skill set amongst the players to be his like because I do think I think he wants to be the possession based style. That's what I do think. But I kind of go back and forth like does he really want to be? But then you got to think about the skill set of these players, right? So I think he realized this skill set of players, it'll play best to their strengths to, you know, have a more of a lob the ball, try and get in over top, hit people on counters, absorb a lot of pressure. Because even though teams that we played had their chances and didn't convert them, and the only penalty or the only goal that we give up was on a penalty shot, uh, there were still moments that I was like, I'm a little nervous about this, but really we absorbed a lot of pressure out throughout this tournament and we did pretty well at dealing with those dangerous moments. So I think Greg Berhalter in that sense got that right in this game and he got that right for most of the tournament. And I got to give him credit for that, man. You know, he identifies pretty well, I think, at least most of the time. I mean, I think he's gotten a lot better at it as he's continued to coach, but he'll identify the strengths and weaknesses of his team over the course of, you know, maybe a couple games. And maybe it'll take him a game or two to really identify what's going on with his team. And sometimes that could come back to bite us or hurt us, whatever. But at the same time, I appreciate his willingness to change and to realize that things can be uh, improved. I mean, he's not totally set in his ways. And we've kind of seen that throughout this tournament too. You know, Jackson Ewell totally stopped playing. We didn't even see him against Mexico. I think we saw him for a little bit against Canada. But we didn't see him in any of the knockout games. So Berhalter, in a lot of ways, got it right as far as how to approach the play of this game, even though I was not <laughs> a big fan of watching us just consistently kick the ball away pretty much to Mexico. As the first half progressed, I think Mexico got more and more frustrated that they couldn't finish some of those chances. Uh, in total, I think they had 12 shots, and four of them were on target in the first half. And I think you could just kind of tell, you know, they were frustrated. The crowd was getting frustrated that they couldn't put any of those shots away. Matt Turner made a gorgeous save off of a free header around the 11th minute uh, from Funes Mori, I think. Like, the guy was all over the place once again in this uh, tournament, excuse me, in this game. Fantastic tournament overall for him. I, I think you could really just see Mexico was like, man we are kind of running out of ideas on how to break this down. You know, we keep doing things that that normally will work for us and probably should be working against this group, but we can't get it to come off. You know, they couldn't get that final touch across. They couldn't get that final pass. Uh, they couldn't get onto the ball soon enough to take a shot. Like, it was, it was literally just the small little things in that game that were making the biggest difference. And, uh, you know, their final final product was just, Barely missing for Mexico throughout that first half. As the half wore on, though, I thought the U.S. really started to play a lot better. Uh, we really come into the game a little more. We started to have some dangerous opportunities on the counterattack. And in the press, I mean, you know, there were opportunities for us. Paul Ariola, obviously, with the huge chance in the first half that goes begging off the post. Uh, there was an excellent line-breaking pass from... 
Williamson before halftime to Ariola, who took the early shot outside the box that probably was ill-advised. You know, he probably could have waited up for support. But there were moments, there were glimmers for the U.S. as the half wore on where you're like, okay, we're coming into this game. Mexico's getting frustrated. They don't know what they're doing uh, to break down our, our really strong defense that we had at times. And we'll take advantage on the counter because they were committing more and more numbers up. And they were trying like crazy to, to really get into that attack. I mean, you could see their line when they would sit and they would try and break. Their line was was very eager to try and run out and, and go against us. Uh, but we just kept recovering and kept kept holding them off, man. We just kept holding them out of the goal. Matt Turner was good. I thought Miles Robinson amazing in the first half. The second half rolls around. Well, at halftime, I was like, okay, I I really think that we got a chance here, whether it's extra time or not. Like, we got a chance to win this because my thoughts were that we'd get scored on in the first 15 minutes of each half and maybe we would sneak a goal in later in the game. And that's kind of how it finished. So to get to halftime at zero, I was I was beyond happy. I mean, I was very happy with that result. And I just knew that uh, if the U.S. come out and continue to play the way they were in that first half, then Mexico would continue to get frustrated. And I think that's what happened. They continue to get really frustrated. They just couldn't finish their chances. So the second half starts, and it kind of was a tell of two halves in the second half, right? The first half was, I think, largely controlled by Mexico. They did a really good job at creating more chances again. Matt Turner coming up you know, with a really good... Uh, some really good saves again, and really trying to, well, he was, not trying, but he was belling us out of of situations that could have been bad. Uh, overall, I think his positioning, in, his positioning is pretty good. There are times where I think he could probably do better to deal with danger earlier, but his athletic ability and shot-stopping ability makes up for, you know, his mistake of positioning sometimes. I think we notice it less because he is such a good shot stopper. But really, I mean, Turner had an amazing game once again, and it carried over throughout the whole game. It wasn't just those first 15 minutes. It wasn't just the first half. It was the entire game into extra time. And I think that gave the U.S. a lot of confidence that, hey, you know, when we hit on this counter, we could maybe push a few more numbers up. We could get more guys involved in our attacks. Like, we could try to be a little more aggressive in the attacks because Turner is going to bail us out of any bad situations that we get into. And miles Robinson is going to sweep up everything. If it, if he has a chance to in defense. So, you know, we started to gain more confidence as the second half went on. You just kind of see it, you know, Mexico is losing confidence. The crowd was really turning on them. You could kind of feel it in the air that they were not happy with how that game was going. Uh, it, once the once the first round of subs come in for the U.S., around, I think it was the 63rd, 64th, something like that, but we make three subs. We switched out both of our outside backs, and then we brought in Rodon, and I was like, oh, yeah, Greg. Well, I, I didn't love taking out Bello because I thought he was doing pretty good, but I was like, okay, this is very good because these three subs will make a big difference in how the U.S. can approach this game from an attacking standpoint, like we'll have fresh legs. We'll be able to be more pacey in the midfield with Rodon. Like it would be a much, it was a much more advantageous position for us compared to Mexico, who I think they already had to make a sub in the first, in the first uh, half, right? With Moreno uh, towards the end of that half. 
And so they were kind of cautious to make more subs because they didn't have a lot of opportunities, right? Like they kind of had to stretch out their windows for their five subs over a longer amount of time because of that early first half sub. So that played into the U.S.'s advantage a lot. And you could really see the shift in momentum once those subs come on. Once Roldan, Vines, more come on, you just see the pace pick up from the U.S., the intensity picked up for us. We started to play much, much better uh, for those last 20, well, excuse me, last 30-ish minutes of the second half. And we became more and more and more threatening. There were more chances. You know, Hoppy had chances. Ariola again had chances. I think we were doing a great job to get movement to kind of confuse the Mexico line. Uh, they started to have less and less chances as that second half wore on. And I was just like, if Jossie's artist, this is what I thought to myself, if Jossie's artist gets a chance, man, he's going to put that goal He's going to put that ball in the back of the net. Like, he's going to score the goal to win this thing. I, I was like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, but as as the half continued to wear on, we couldn't really find that finishing product. Mexico doing a good job at, at keeping us out as well. Uh, it was just that final product that was missing, you know, right? Like, it was just that final little small thing that we couldn't quite get over the line. We had two more subs, right? Uh, Jaukini comes on for, I believe, Ariola, right? And uh, Busio for Williamson, if I'm not mistaken. So I think this was a good decision by Burhalter as well because I think he kind of realized, you know, it was around the 81st minute at this time. He kind of realized, hey, uh, this game is starting to look like we're headed to extra time. So put those fresh legs on in the midfield. You know, Paul was having a decent game. Um, not the best game, but he was having a decent game. Get Jaukini in there, see what he can do. You know, he was a big impact player against Jamaica and Busio in that short amount of time for Williamson I think was the right idea personally because it's probably not what I would have done but it was still a smart move because it uh it gives you another fresh set of legs and you kind of see Williamson was getting a little tired and it wasn't as effective as that half was was rolling on so it, I think it was more of a look towards extra time with those two subs more than anything he got the subs right in this game uh you know we finished Full-time, nothing-nothing. We move into that extra time period. At this point, I am thinking, all right, one score for whichever side will win this game. I don't think that if one team scores, the other team could match the score in the extra time period. It just didn't look like either of the teams were threatening enough to do that at any point. So, But I was, very, I was cautiously optimistic. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I felt like we had the better rhythm going on at the moment that the extra time rolled around. And I kind of feel like the the pendulum had swung in favor of us for momentum. And maybe that's a biased opinion because I'm a U.S. fan and I was really into this game. You know, I was watching this game with my parents too. And uh, well, my sister watched the second half with us too. But my dad was actually really into the game. And he's not a big soccer fan, but he was really getting into this game. And uh, I, I was kind of, it was kind of fun because he usually doesn't get into it as much. But this game was that type of game. It was very engaging. It was very good for a neutral. You know, obviously he was cheering for the U.S. as well. But it was a very engaging game for anyone, I think. Just a soccer fan. Like, it's really must-watch anytime the U.S. and Mexico play each other for anybody because it's just going to be a good game of soccer regardless of, of who you're cheering for. 
But, you know, I do say that after coming away with the win. So the extra time period starts, and as it kind of wore on, it got duller and duller. I was like, okay, you know, we're not wanting to make mistakes. They're not wanting to make mistakes. I was kind of thinking, okay, we're going to go to extra time, or we're going to go to penalties because it doesn't look very doesn't look very likely that someone's going to get a goal here uh we had that situation with Hector Moreno's excuse me Hector uh Herrera's high boot and I was just like okay I mean he got a yellow for that it probably could have been a red I mean that was very dangerous high high boot right onto the head of a of an opposing player. I mean, we saw that in the Copa America a Brazilian guy did that, uh, Jesus, and he got a red card for it. I mean, Fox posted that and I think Jesus's was worse, but still, I mean, there should be a standard. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll say this too. I think the officiating was not the best. Um, I think it was yes, consistent and fairly fair as far as all things go. You know, he wasn't, the ref wasn't favoring, Mexico or U.S. that much, I wouldn't say. Uh, but there was a lot of fouls called, and I think it was a little much for my taste. You know, let them play a little more, be a little more physical. You know, this is a rivalry, tough game between both of these very good teams right now. Let them bump and grind a little bit. It'll be fine. But I, I didn't, so I didn't appreciate the ref constantly just blowing the whistle. I mean, what, like 50 fouls in this game? That was ridiculous. So for him to be so, like, up, tight about all these calls and then deal out so few yellow cards and then just give Herrera a yellow for smashing Williamson in the head I was kind of like you know yeah okay like you're calling all this stuff but you call that a yellow so yeah uh, I didn't think the referee was that good I saw some people were like oh yeah the referee was good it was fair no I, I think it was too much you know let him play a little bit yeah, I mean, that kind of set up the ball that Acosta got later on to put on the assist to, to Robinson. But at that time, I was kind of still very pessimistic. And I was like, okay, we're headed to we're headed to penalties. And I was like, you know, I'll take penalties because we could, we could win penalties. I don't know who's going to take them for us. I think we could probably lose the penalty shootout uh, just looking at the options we had compared to theirs for possible penalty takers. But then I was like, what just happened? Uh, so when the goal happened, I was actually in the kitchen getting an apple juice <laughs> uh, because that foul happened on Jawakini from Edson Alvarez. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go get a drink real quick because I think Jawakini was down and, you know, he was probably, he was going to try and milk some time. And then, like, when I was walking away from the TV, they also said Hoppy was down getting treatment. And I was like, okay, I got some time. So I went and got an apple juice. And when I'm walking back, my dad's freaking out. And he's like, they scored, they scored, you missed it. And I was like, what? Uh, I went running back into the TV room. And sure enough, Kellen Acosta, man, uh, a lovely ball. I mean, say what you want about Kellen Acosta. People have criticized him so much. Uh, I've been a big supporter of his for for the longest time, I thought he should have been in the national team when he was kind of pushed out a couple years ago. Like I've been his supporter and a lot of people have bashed on him and you can say what you want about his offensive, you know, struggles throughout this tournament or kind of just his deficiencies in general, like as a player. But that guy was amazing. This game, he put the perfect ball, I think where 
Robinson could get to it very easily above the defenders, rise up, smash that one past the goalkeeper. And thank you, Edson Alvarez. <laughs> you uh, you draw that foul, or you commit that foul on, on Jawakini, which was a really hard foul. I don't know why he went into that one so hard. Like, I don't think he has to tackle Jawakini. And then he totally screws up on Marking Robinson, and Robinson got the better of him. Like, dude, he was, like, falling over on the ground while Robinson was probably, like, nine feet up in the air getting that head on the ball and scoring. <laughs> so thanks, Edson Alvarez. Uh, he really did us a, two good favors there. But, no, in all seriousness, Robinson made that play happen. I love the celebration of him trying to take off his shirt, but he couldn't get it off for whatever reason. Uh, and then he took it off after the game and, and was running around the field with everyone. But that late winner, you know, there was still hope. There was still time for a possible Mexico goal to tie it up. But you were just like, nope, this is over. Like, the U.S. just won it back-to-back tournaments this summer against Mexico in a final. I think they said it was, like, the first time since 2007 that we'd beat Mexico in back-to-back games. And I don't know if that's competitive or just in general. That's pretty insane. So... You know, if that's just in general, even if that's just competitive, that's pretty insane. Uh, I do feel like the tides have shifted. Like, I know I'm the biased USM&T supporter here, but I feel like the, the U.S. is on the rise, and Mexico right now, you know, for the foreseeable future, I think they're in real danger of of potentially, I mean, I, I don't think they'll miss a World Cup, but of potentially not performing very well in this cycle and big questions will be asked of of their program. <laughs> to be dead honest, this team that the U.S. put out there, I would rate as a, you know, in relationship to the best players we could call in, this is a B-minus squad. In relationship to the best players I think Mexico could call in, I think this is an A-minus squad. They had definitely their better players that they could have called in, and we didn't. And uh, we still hung with them throughout the entire game and snatched up the the late extra time goal. And, you know, it's like the saying goes, catches, catchers can. And uh, we caught that win, and we'll take it all the way to the bank. I love the celebrations from the guys after. It was it was just a fantastic all-around effort from, from pretty much everybody on the field. And Burhalter, I mean, the whole team did really well. So there's negatives that we could point out, sure. Like... You know, we didn't have the ball very much. Uh, we had to leave it late again. <laughs> um, there was lots of last-ditch defending. Our possession game was non-existent. Uh, there were mistakes made in in attacking situations that really could have benefited us more. There was missed shots that were definitely makeable, <laughs> uh, scorable, I guess you could say. There were selfish moments from players that I was like, you know, don't do that. Uh, we we could have had something different. So, yeah, there were negatives, and we could talk about them. But I'm so happy, and I'm so positive right now that I don't really want to that much. I mean, I just listed off some, and you can pick them apart as you choose, and I'm sure you got more. Because this game wasn't perfect from the U.S., right? But at the end of the day, the scoreline is what matters. Performances are important to assess individual players, I think. And, you know, see what Burhalter thinks. Because he's not going anywhere for the foreseeable future, I don't think. And and nor should he. You know, I, I haven't been on this Burhalter out bandwagon. This tournament kind of got me close to it because of his roster selection. But he is getting the best out of these players. This group might have not been the most talented, technical, 
or, you know, able group that we could put out there. But by damn, they tried like crazy and he got them motivated and he got them up for every game, even though they won zeroed it all the way to the final, <laughs> except for Martinique. Um, but, you know, they're weak. So we'll take it, man. I think that everyone can sit back and genuinely be happy with this result and very and be very hard-pressed to pick apart very many things with, with this winning. <laughs> uh, what's the old saying? Like, winning seals puts Band-Aids over a lot of problems, right? Something like that. So that's the case here. I mean, winning winning fixes all problems. So that's kind of all I got to say about the game. Uh, couldn't be happier for these guys. I I genuinely, yeah, I just genuinely am so happy. Like, it's hard to put it into words, but I remember really getting into the USMNT during their 2017 Gold Cup run and being so invested into that. Because like, I was a little younger at that time. Um, I wasn't super young, but I was still a little younger at that time, and I was getting more into it. Uh, and I remember being super invested in the team when they were at the 2014 World Cup. And to kind of see them like lift that trophy again, after that really tough loss in 2019, it was just like, you know, I remember why I'm super into the USMNT and why I love cheering these guys on and, and super happy that these guys represent us as a country because they're great people and they did a really good job at representing what the best can do in this country. And, you know, we're not the best team in the world necessarily. Uh, we still have a long ways to go, but... I feel like this summer has kind of turned a lot of heads in the United States from media to, you know, the players themselves and, and the U S soccer federation in general. I think that everyone kind of realizes, Hey, something is changing here in the winds and the U S is a legit program moving up throughout potentially the next couple of years. Just imagine what that 2026 world cup is going to be like guys. Give us five years. A lot of our core players that we're excited about now will be entering their primes. Some of our best players will also be towards the end of their career. Like, we're going to be such a good... We could potentially be in maybe the best ever frame of mind and form as it relates to the team as a whole entering that 2026 World Cup. On home soil, I mean... Crazier things have happened to to hosts. I mean, look at all these hosts over the last couple World Cups, right? Like, they perform way past expectations sometimes. Uh, when you talk about Korea performing past expectations, Russia performing past expectations, you know, I don't think South Africa did very good, but they weren't the best team. I think Qatar has a real chance, or Qatar, however you say it, has a real chance to perform pretty well at their World Cup. Like, there could be so much momentum and, and the sky's the limit potentially in 2026. I mean, think of all these players that that'll be entering their primes, really be playing all the players that we don't even know about yet that are coming up through the youth ranks. Wow. <laughs> I'm beyond excited. Uh, and winning stuff like this just makes me more excited because I want to win trophies all the time, right? Like I don't, we don't play sports to just participate. We don't play sports to, uh, be there and, and watch the winner lift the trophies. Like, if we're going to play it, man, let's freaking win. Let's take home the hardware. I want the medals. I want the trophy. I want the pictures with the players. I want them celebrating. I want all that, man. Like, I love it. 
I, I love watching these guys win. <laughs> and it's even better when they went over Mexico. You know what I mean? Okay, let's talk about the individual players in this game, and then let's get into the individual players throughout this tournament. Uh, so we'll kind of go through, just give ratings real quick. You know, not as long form with the talking about the individual players as I have. Maybe a couple, because I, uh, you know, I might have more to say with some other guys. Uh, Turner, fantastic game. Another nine for me. Uh, I don't remember if I gave him a nine in the last game, but I feel like if I didn't, I probably should have. He had an amazing couple saves. Uh, his, you know, he had one mistake that was very bad towards the start of the game. But hey, you kind of got to get those jitters out of the way. And I think this was his first huge game in the USMNT uniform. He quitted himself very well and a uh, very good score. Nine for me. You got to do a lot for a 10. So he did great. Uh, <laughs> all right. This is probably a first ever. I don't know if I've ever given this out, but uh, Miles Robinson, he gets a 10 out of 10. Fantastic. I cannot, like literally, going back throughout the entire tournament, I cannot think of a time where Robinson made a mistake, put a foot wrong, played a bad pass. Like, sure, he probably played a little, uh, a couple misplaced passes, but none that put us in dangerous, super dangerous positions like I can recall a couple other players doing. So, the whole tournament in general was amazing for Robinson. This game was the real capper, though. This game, for me, he said, all right, I'm one of the center backs moving forward uh, for World Cup qualifiers, and I might even be a starter. So 10 out of 10, his goal wins us the game as well. Like, this guy was hands down, in my opinion, the best player for the U.S. I know Turner got man of the match from USMNT insiders or whatever, but Robinson amazing uh, just an amazing player so i'm very happy that he's kind of blossoming back in to form after this really tough stretch he's had with atlanta because they're a mess he's got to get out of there <laughs> uh james sands i thought he played pretty decent there were mistakes uh but what do you expect you know he's never been in the situation he's kind of being thrown into the deep end he's what 20 years old like he's not very old either so in all in all really i mean he acquitted himself pretty well too i think he proved to us that he is usable at at best and uh, at worst well excuse me he's usable at worst and he's reliable at best so i don't know if sans's ceiling is as high as some other guys that we talk about in this age group that's you know kind of under 23 but you never know he's very young and i think he's made big strides over the, even just the last year so I want to see where he continues to go. But for Sands, I think a seven is fair. Uh, a few mistakes bring his score down, but not allowing any goals and doing pretty well to you know, make some last-ditch defending efforts. Did all right in one-on-one -on -one situations. Uh, seven is fair for me, and I'm going to be generous. I'll, I won't lie. I'll be generous this week, guys. You know, five's average. Ten's as good as you can get. One is terrible. And I don't know if really anyone's below a five today because... I'm that generous. Uh, Cannon, I thought he played pretty good. Uh, a lot of his chances, a lot of the best chances, though, in the first half, I felt like were coming down the right side. He was kind of getting burnt at times, or I just don't know if he was in the correct position at times. Like, I couldn't really figure it out because I felt like there was a lot of times where people were open on the wings coming down. You know, uh, our outside back positioning might not have been the best, but nothing really come of it, and I think Cannon was good enough. I think a six and a half is what I'm going to go for Cannon. 
Uh, he just didn't do much to really impress me, I guess we could say. Like, he played a lot better in the second half, but he also only played for, what, 63, 65 minutes. So it's it's kind of harder to rate him because he didn't have an entire game, but I think he's still a viable option at right back. Uh, Bello, I thought he did really good, actually. Like, I saw some mixed feelings about Bello, but I thought he did better than I was expecting, and maybe that's why I'm, like, pretty positive about it. When I saw he was starting, I was kind of like, I don't know, how's that going to go? Like, he hasn't played since Martinique, and now you're just going to throw him in there against Mexico in the biggest game of his life. <laughs> like, I don't know if he's played in any real important games for Atlanta as far as, like, you know, uh, CONCACAF Champions League or or any playoff games for Atlanta that have been, like, really important. I don't imagine he, is, he has because he's so young. But for him to step up and play as well as he did and do pretty well against Tecatito at, at most points in the game. And, you know, when they switched and Pineda was on his side, I thought he did pretty good against both of them. So I think another seven here for Bello is pretty good. There were even times in the attack that I thought he did good, but still a few mistakes and just a few problems that you can downgrade a little bit on him but really exceeded my expectations, I'll, I'll say that. Acosta. Acosta was fantastic. <laughs> I just, I can't get over it, man. He was great. Uh, I, you know, I've already sung his praises. He gets a nine. Him and Turner will get the same score. They both played fantastic. Acosta provides the winning assist. If he could just get a little better on that offensive side of the ball and picking out passes sometimes and being a little bolder, braver, he'd be a huge money player, like, in all reality, so... Williamson was good, uh, but at times he was kind of ghosty, you know, like he wasn't on the field, it felt like at times, but he made some good passes. He really uh, tried to drive the ball out of dangerous positions. I didn't think that he was, I didn't think he was particularly effective in defense at times. Like, you know, that's not really his thing anyways, but I thought he played pretty well. Um, I'm pretty happy with him. I'll go with a seven and a half. I think he played pretty well. Um, I was surprised at how well he did play, though, because I didn't. It was kind of like a Bella situation. I didn't expect him to be as good as I think he was. Legit is next. I thought Legit had another really solid game. Uh, he's gonna get a seven for me. He was very legit, but like the good legit this time. He connects a lot of passes. He did good and and trying to get involved on the defense and and take ta attacks away. You know, he got subbed out in the 66 for Roldan, who also come on and played well. I thought Legette was good again. Uh, everybody just played their part, and he did good at his role. He didn't crack under pressure. He made good defensive contributions. All in all, very solid game for Legette. Uh Yeah. Ariola. so I got to bring his score down for missing that chance. Um and kind of making that rash decision to take Mexico three on one before halftime um, was over from Williamson uh, on that pass from Williamson. So I think all in all, Ariel probably had the least effective or pleasing game. Once again, from a U.S. standpoint, I think he's five. I think he's average. I think he could he could come in the World Cup qualifiers, and I wouldn't care if he was there or not. Uh, I'm kind of indifferent about Ariola. I think he's a good team leader. I think injuries have really plagued him 
if he got healthy, I really think he could be good. Um, well, I don't know if he could be good, but he'd be a lot better than I think what we're seeing from him over his last two games. Uh, it wasn't the Ariola that I think can be at his best. That's for sure. Hoppy played good, made mistakes, took his chances when he had them. I wish he would have took a couple more chances even. Solid game, though. Another seven for me. Uh, his energy was fantastic. He was trying to go all over the place and disrupt and get in people's faces, and he's very cocky. And, and I, I, I like his desire to really go and try things even though they don't come off sometimes i'm like hey you know kind of figure out when's the right time to do and not do stuff all in all though i was happy with how he played uh a solid game again i think he's he's kind of turned some heads from usmnt fans so zardis i thought he played really good didn't have a lot of chances didn't necessarily you know get many balls to his feet uh for shot opportunities but he was good in the hold-up play for the most part. I think he had the best touch I've ever, 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 ever seen him have in a game in the second half. It was this beautiful ball that uh, I think Roldan played into him, but he just stopped it, and it was like, whoa, Zardis, if you could do that, dude, like <laughs> you'd probably be playing for Manchester City or something. Um, <laughs> that's a big thing that kills him, right, is his, is his touches, especially his first touches. So... I thought he played pretty well. His movement's very good. He's very deceptive in how he pulls around defenders. The only problem is strikers got to score goals, and he wasn't very effective in that department. So I'll give him a seven and a half. Uh, it was a very like a lot of the same scores for a lot of people, but it was so solid and pretty consistent from a lot of players that the same scores kind of match. You know, I think for a lot of guys. Let's talk about the subs real quick. Moore played good when he come on. Uh, very strong in the defense. Well, from what I can think of, his offensive contributions were okay as well. A seven. Uh, Vines, a little more quiet on the offensive side of the ball than Bello, but did really well on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, not much to complain about. I'm going to give him a six. Roldan was good uh, when we saw him centrally. Like That's his best position, obviously. I don't know why Greg was insisting. Well, I do know why Greg was insisting on playing on the right because we didn't have any wingers. Good roster building, Greg. Uh, but yeah, Roldan was good when he's central. Like you can see that he has pace. He really tries. He works very hard. He puts pressure on the ball. He can connect passes when he has a little time. But all in all, like Roldan is just not going to get his best looks because this roster wasn't built correctly. So I think Roldan's stock is up, but at the same time, you know, we we still didn't get to see the best the best of him in this tournament. Uh Giacchini, pretty good. Uh he did well in drawing the foul to win the free kick that led to the goal. I thought he was pacey and uh, exciting when he did come on the field. Um him and Roldan will both get sixes just like Vines though, because nothing too crazy for me. Busio uh, didn't do much that I can remember a ton of. You know, he was fine in the midfield. Just solid. He had a shot not too long bef uh, before we scored our goal that he had at the top of the box. And he took it, and I wanted him to take it, and he did. And it was way over the bar. Um, a five for me, just very average when he come on. Didn't make very many mistakes, I don't remember. 
pretty solid. Kessler, come on. I don't even know what he did. Like He was on the field for like two minutes, so no rating. Uh, all in all, very good game from a lot of guys. Greg Berhalter, really, like he made the right decisions in this game. All in all, this team, fantastic. For what this team was, they performed amazing. <laughs> all right, uh, quick recap, guys, of some awards that were handed out uh, before we get into some of the players up and down stock for, for the USMNT. We'll just kind of zip through that stuff. Uh, so, obviously, champions, United States, runners-up, uh, Mexico. There were 31 matches played, 89 goals scored in the tournament. It's about an average of almost three goals per game. Top score of the game goes to Aliz Ali uh, from Qatar. We probably totally said that name wrong. Uh, but he wins, the, he wins the golden boot, four goals scored for him. Best player was named Hector Herrera for Mexico, which I thought was pretty fair. Uh, best young player was Tejon Buchanan. Uh, I think that's that was fair. Uh, I would also... Well, I don't know if you could put Miles Robinson in the young player category, but if he was able to, yeah, I think he did pretty good. Uh, even best player award to Matt Turner would have been a big shout for me as well. Uh, best goalkeeper award went to Matt Turner, of course. I don't think anyone else really had an argument in that, in that <laughs> department. <laughs> I mean, very good tournament all the way around from him. Uh, the number of saves that he had was insane and no one else I think compared to him in this tournament so fair play award which is like you know you didn't have very many yellow cards uh which is a good thing it's a good thing uh went to the United States as well so good job from everybody there uh let's talk about the individual players on the roster on this roster for the gold cup and let's kind of see how their stock was affected by this tournament all right let's start with the goalkeepers um we'll just kind of run through this so Brad Guzan no stock affected. I don't think he should be on the World Cup qualifying rosters, though. Uh, Sean Johnson, I think he's a fifth option. Didn't get to see either of those guys play, so I can't say much. Matt Turner, I think his stock went up. I think that he acquitted himself very well. He Essentially, he gave up no goals in this tournament. Uh, in my opinion, giving up goals means in the run of play, and he gave up the only goal. The only goal he did give up was from a penalty shot, so... Yes, it is a goal, but in my book, it's just a little different. So I thought his stock was up. Uh, call me crazy, but I think come September against El Salvador, in El Salvador, yeah, he's he's in goal for me. Um, I think he's the starter right now. You know, Especially if the U.S. isn't going to want to play a lot of possession-based style, then who cares how Matt Turner plays with his feet? Like, that'll be the big... In my opinion, that's the big decider. If we want to play with our feet or excuse me, if we want to play possession and we want the goalkeeper to play with his feet, I think Horvath starts. If not, Turner starts. Like, I don't even, in my opinion, Stefan is not even the second choice right now. I mean, he's just, the guy freaks me out in goal. His injury history is not good. So I will take Turner right now as a starter, though. Maybe that's a little recency bias. You can call that what it is. I don't care that I don't care that Stefan plays for Manchester City. He sits on the bench. It's it's cool that he's at Manchester City. If he was starting like every week, no doubt <laughs> he's our starter. Uh, but the consistent amount of game time, I think, really helps goalkeepers. And you can argue with me about this all day because Horvath comes in at every time that he needs to with very limited 
game time and does well every time he sees the field. But I still think it matters. So Turner is my starter right now moving forward. His shot-stopping ability far outweighs the lack of his ability to play with his feet. Uh, let's talk about right backs to start with for the defense. Reggie Cannon, I think, well, that's where we'll start. I, I think his stock is fine. I mean, I still think he's second choice right back in my book. He's he's good. I mean, he, he played well when he needed to. It was unfortunate that he had those injuries, but it really gave a window to Shaq Moore, whose stock went up in this tournament. I think, in my opinion, he's third choice right back right now. He jumped a lot of guys that you know I had higher opinions on because he played and he performed really well, better than I thought he would. And in my opinion, he's, he's above Yedlin. So uh, on next week's show, what we're going to do is a full like depth chart breakdown, and then we're going to have World Cup qualifying roster, 30-man roster, and then you know we'll preview the World Cup. So that's kind of the foreseeable games or the foreseeable shows moving forward. But Shaq Moore's stock is up. Reggie Cannon, very level, uh, did fine. When it comes to left backs, I think Sam Vines and Bello, both of their stocks went up. Um, I think they were both... In my book, at least, second and third choice left backs when it comes to uh, the national team. And I think they're still that now. I think they're much closer when it comes to, you know, who's second and who's third. And I don't even know who is second or third. Uh, I think they're both behind Robinson, but that's not a bad thing. Like, you can still make World Cup qualifying 30 man roster. Honestly, I'd just bring both of them. So. You know, I'll give you guys my roster on a later show. But I think they both improved their stock. Like, they did well. Uh, let's talk about center backs. Donovan Pine's stock is down. Uh, we didn't see him very much in this, and I don't care much to see him moving forward. <laughs> Miles Robinson's stock way up. He went from, like, in my book, like, seventh choice, potentially, to maybe a starter. <laughs> Definitely a top-four choice in my book now. If he can play that level consistently... That dude should be over in England playing for, like, Chelsea or some crap. Like, I mean, I know the competition is equivalent, but the guy played really well. <laughs> uh, James Sands, I guess we'll lob him in, in here with the center backs. I think his stock improved, but not greatly to the point where he's going to be, like, a World Cup qualifying guy at a center back position. For me, I'd much rather see him at the six. He was just forced to play the center back position because we ran out of center backs in this tournament, and this is how it goes <laughs> because someone constructed their roster real great. Um, yeah, but I'd rather have Sands at center back than Pines or Kessler or, or Palmer, Eric Palmer Brown, Justin Glad. Like, uh, there's a lot of guys I'd rather see him over when we talk about Sands at center back. So his stock's up. Uh, I just don't know if it's enough for me at a center back position. Uh, Henry Kessler, you know, we didn't really see him much in this tournament. I still think his stock is where it was before. He wasn't that good in World Cup qual or in, in a qualifying for the Olympics. I think he's fine though. Like in an emergency, as this situation was, he's still able to come in. In my opinion, Walker Zimmerman. I think his stock went up. I think it's pretty unfortunate we didn't get to see him play more due to his injury, and. If we did get to see him play more, I think his stock would have continued to go up. But that center back position depth chart is really getting kind of stuffy at the top. So there's seven guys, in my opinion, maybe eight, really competing for those potentially four spots. 
for Qatar. So uh, midfielders, uh, no particular positional order here. Uh, Gianluca Busio stuck up, but still outside looking in for me. I think he had a good tournament. Christian Roldan, I don't think his stock really went anywhere, you know? We know what we're going to get with Roldan. Uh, we got to play him centrally when he plays for us, though, and that's when we'll see him at his best. He's on the edge, man. He's on the edge for World Cup qualifying rosters. Jackson Yule, his stock went down, and it's at zero. Uh, if that guy gets called in to World Cup qualifiers, I'll be extremely surprised. <laughs> I don't think that he had a good tournament when he did play, even against weaker competition he wasn't that good so i'm all for no more yule <laughs> which i don't say often about players you know usually i'm like oh let's give them another chance let's see what they can do next time uh no no i'm I'm done with yule so don't care to see him legit i think he stayed where he's at you know there was times he was good in this tournament there's times he was bad his stock is level for me. Williamson, in my book, just because we finally got to see him, his stock went up. I think he jumped some guys that we haven't seen uh, in camp recently. Like, for me, he jumped guys like Paxton Pomacall or Julian Green. Um, but we haven't seen those two guys in camp forever. I mean, we need to see them in camp. I just don't know when we will. With World Cup qualifiers now here... You know, he's, he's definitely above guys like Dotson, Amaya, Bassett. Potentially, if he played more, he could have been even higher. So it's unfortunate that he didn't get more game time. I really think so. Kellen Acosta, dude, his stock is up. He's a lock on the World Cup qualifying rosters. I've been trying to tell you guys this. Like, he, ever since he's been playing, like, he really hasn't had a bad game. Like, since he got back in the roster, he hasn't had a bad game. There's been games where he's been suspect or kind of, you know, okay uh but he hasn't had a bad game like ever i see so much hate on this guy on social media just like we get it he plays in mls you guys hate people that play in mls if they're not like under 20 we get it uh but acosta he showed us in this tournament that at his best he is one of our best midfielders call me crazy but it's true so his stock's up i think out of everybody him Robinson and uh, Turner are the only guys that said, I'm locked into that World Cup qualifying roster. You're taking me, uh, and and we'll go from there. Let's talk about the wingers. Uh, Paul Ariola didn't really do much for me as far as improving his stock. I think he is where he was before. On the outside looking in, he's around a Tyler Boyd, Richie Ledesma area if Richie was healthy. So he's still kind of in that area. Um, I guess we'll throw Jawakini on the wing because that's where he was playing all the time. So I think his stock is up. I really like Jawakini. Like his movements, his mannerisms. I like the way he plays. He's very savvy. He's very engaged and emotional in the game. He's a fun player to watch. So I really like him. The only problem is I think he's playing way out of position on the wing. He needs to be more central. And when it comes to that central position... Since we haven't really seen him there, it's hard to say whether he should continue to go with the World Cup qualifying team. I think he could potentially like be one of the last guys included on our roster because I guess he's versatile enough to play on the wing and striker, which is good. But I think another thing that kills him is he's in the second division of France. There's rumors maybe he's going to move. I think it would do him really good if he could move 
as well. Second division in France is not very good. <laughs> Let's see. We'll talk about Hoppy on the wing as well. His stock's up, 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 up. Like, his stock went way up for me. I really liked what he was doing in this tournament. You know, I criticized him. I was, like, very, uh, su- he did some very suspect things for me at times. But he did things good and bad. And I'll take the good with the bad for a young 20-year-old player. Like, do things. If they don't come off, that's okay. I'm just glad that someone's trying, you know. I'm glad someone's trying to move the ball forward, play a fun pass, uh, try and do a cool skill. And, yeah, it's not always the smartest thing to do, but I'll take players that try to do stuff and want to be creative and want to really show that, hey, I got a little swagger to me, like Hoppy does at times. I'll take that. I I like that attitude. Uh, Just refine it a little, and then we'll talk, and you could be really good. So (laughs) I think Hoppy stock is up. I think he is one of the fringe guys for, you know, like Earl Dawn, to be on the World Cup qualifier roster. Jonathan Lewis, I don't know why he was on this roster. That was a joke. I don't even want to talk about him. Uh, DK, let's talk about DK, dude. I think his stock actually went down. (laughs) Uh, I think that entering this tournament, everyone was like, yeah, DK, he's going to be in camp already. And I was super excited, man. I I couldn't wait. I thought he was going to go in there, be a wrecking ball. He showed well against Martinique. That was Martinique. And then from there on out, this wasn't very good, man. His positioning wasn't the best. He didn't make good runs at times. His first touch was bad. Playing that two-striker setup against Canada was terrible because him and Zardes didn't know how to play with each other. Like they couldn't they couldn't riff off of each other. It was it was pretty bad in that Canada game. Uh I think he might have picked up a shoulder injury and had that injury going in the next games af- after Canada. And that sucks for him. Um, but his stock went down, man. I think that coming into this tournament, if he had a good tournament, I was going to say he should be the starting striker. After the tournament, I don't know if he'll even make World Cup qualifying rosters. But it's okay because he's 21. He's only been a professional player, like legit professional player for like a year. And he has a super high ceiling. Like his potential is huge. He just refines his skills he'll be super dangerous. I mean, he could be big money striker moving forward if he just gets those skills refined, that first touch, a little more clinical on the ball. Oh, geez. Uh, Zardes, Zardes' stock is up. I mean, this guy fluctuates in my book. Sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down. I've criticized him in the past, but you know what? He stepped up when we needed a striker to carry the line, uh, to make good runs, to do the things that essentially DK wasn't doing. And when Zardes was on the field, he was doing those things. So I think he played pretty well. I think his stock is up. I would be bringing him to World Cup qualifiers. And you know what? I saw Alexi Lawless said this, that that he would be the starter in Lawless's book. I mean, I don't think that's a crazy take, you know? Zardes isn't necessarily my choice. Like, I'd probably go with Sargent again, which I don't love because I don't know... I don't really like any of our striker options, <laughs> to be frank. I, I'm not a fan of really anyone right now. Um, but if Zardes started, I wouldn't be pissed. If Sargent started, I wouldn't be pissed. If Sibachu started or Pafok, whichever one you want to call him, uh, I wouldn't be mad. Like It's just about finding the guy that's going to play well with the teammates around him. And if that guy's Sargent, if that guy's Zardes, if it's DK, 
You know, maybe put better players around DK. Maybe he's better. Um, I don't know. But if it's Zardes, I don't think that, you know, we should discount that because it could happen. It's Berhalter. And this is his team, not ours. So it, at the end of the day, he does make the decision. So, you know, a good tournament from some guys, a not-so-good tournament from other guys, and a lot of guys right in the middle, you know, didn't affect their stock a ton. We know what we're getting with them already. So that's kind of the show, guys. Next week, like I said, we're going to talk about each of the uh, – we're going to talk about a 30-man roster, probably. I'll look at the calendar and see – like, I got to game plan this out. How many shows until the qualifiers start? Um, so we'll look at our roster. We'll kind of give a preview in the next couple of shows of what we expect in the World Cup qualifiers. Obviously, we'll break down all the World Cup qualifying games. God, I'm so excited for the World Cup qualifiers. It's going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, that's all for today's show, though. So we'll have more USMT stuff coming up, you know, next week, the week after, leading up to the goal, uh, leading up to World Cup qualifiers in El Salvador. Should be a fun way to start the tournament uh, or, or the qualifiers. I guess you could call it a tournament too. Yeah, <laughs> it should be a really good way to start off our campaign, though. On the road in El Salvador, should get a win there, and uh, I think that'll propel us onward. So uh, we're gonna get out of here, guys. I appreciate you listening to the show. Hopefully, you know I know I'm not super tactical in how I approach the thing, uh, how I approach the game, but I like talking about soccer. I like talking about the USMNT, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it with me. So uh, tune, in to, tune in to next week's show and whatever comes after that, and uh, here we come, World Cup qualifiers. Very excited. Can't wait for the first team to be back in there. We're going to rock some heads this fall. So, All right, guys, have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Oh, leave a five-star review if you want. That'd be nice. Five stars, we would appreciate it. You don't got to write anything unless you want to write a no- nice note about me. I'd love it. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Have a good rest of your day. Peace out. <laughs> uh, it's been a good it's been a good week, guys. Okay, see ya. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Electric Sports Talk. Join us in future episodes as we discuss all things U.S. soccer, collegiate sports, mixed martial arts, motorsports, the NFL, MLB, and the Olympics. If you enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or shoot us an email to electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening.